When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from football.london here and welcome to the latest episode of Gold and Guests Hot Tottenham, sponsored by NordVPN. Tottenham have made their moves in the transfer market with Dane Kulaseski signing on a permanent deal from Juventus and the incoming arrival of Guglielmo Vicario from Empoli. So, I think Tottenham fans are getting what they want in terms of incomings now and hopefully it will start to ramp up over the coming days and weeks. Alistair Gold joining me as ever. Ali, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that you were the first person I had to pronounce uh, Guglielmo's name. Um, did you know that it's actually Italian for William? And it I means, the name uh, William means resolute protector which is very apt for someone who's going to be in Tottenham Hotspur's goal because they're going to need to be protecting that goal because there's a fair few shots get through. Hopefully not this year, but there has been in the past. So, uh, yeah, Vicario, an interesting one who gives us plenty to talk about. Um, obviously seeing the reaction on social media, but then, as always, as we have to do, doing our proper due diligence and research into these uh Various people that end up turning up at Spurs. And to be honest, there's far more positives than negatives. Um, and that will give us plenty to talk about in the next hour or so. Yeah, I think it's fair to say this is a bit of a transfer what's come out of the blue, really, because there's been an awful lot of talk about David Raya from Brentford joining uh, Tottenham this summer. But with Brentford wanting £40 million, uh, for the Spanish international who has... 12 months left on his contract. Uh, I think that's a bit too expensive for Spurs and other clubs. I think that price tag probably has put, you know, will frighten quite a lot of clubs, really, for someone who will be available on a tree, free transfer next summer. So, you know, Tottenham and other clubs will be looking elsewhere. And that's uh, why we've got to Vicario on the verge of joining from Empley. So, Ali, I know you were reporting on it yesterday. He certainly seems uh, like a highly rated player in Italy. Yeah, this is one of these... Uh, I mean, I've seen some tweets that have kind of gone down a similar line in, in terms of not defending the transfer, but trying to explain something that maybe some of the fans are missing out. And I understand that, that there's always going to be this frustration of you see a name linked. Um, we know they want uh, really like David Raya, and we knew he was someone that fitted what Postacoglu went, uh, wanted. But ultimately, the price wasn't right. And, and at the moment, other clubs aren't moving either. So it's not like it's just Spurs not paying the money or whatever. But what I think was really interesting, I saw this tweet pop up a few times in different iterations, um, 
was that people were saying, and I feel that this is quite right, that everyone's been calling for Spurs. Why isn't their recruitment better? Why don't you go for a like a Brighton model? Why don't you go for a Brentford model? Why don't you actually put some thought and research and look at the data and pick players that it doesn't have to be the most expensive person in the world, but unearth these people that are maybe just on the verge of being terrific players, sign them up and bring them in. And I get that. That's absolutely right. That's kind of what we all wanted. But then as soon as a scenario like this happens, where maybe a target who We'll say, let's say he's the top target, David Raya. Um, I'm sure Spurs will dispute this greatly when we get to it. But, you know, he was the one who obviously was the ready-made uh, replacement to come in because he's Premier League ready. So, on paper, makes the most sense. Come straight in, replace Hugo Lloris for, for the long term. If that, in any football club that's doing it the right way, if your top target is priced out and it's just not a value that you're willing to go near, you have a list of players that equally tickle the same boxes pretty much and the data says is the right person and the manager approves, you move on to the next one. And like a Brighton or a Brentford, you take these players that are on the cusp of becoming something special and you get them and then everyone else looks at you and goes, oh, why didn't we do that? What a great move kind of thing. And the irony is, is that Spurs seem to actually be doing that and everyone or a fair few people are going, oh, classic Spurs wouldn't pay the money. It's like, yeah, a minute ago, you were saying the recruitment needed to be better. Kind of, I, I get it. I get these people that are saying, well, wait a minute. There's a little bit of a kind of, he's got, you've, got to, you've got to have some balance there. Um, and honestly, yeah, it, it came out a little bit left field for us. We knew that Raya was one. Um, I knew that Marmadashvili was another one that they were looking at from Valencia. Very good young player, Georgie Marmadashvili. Um, I think he's only 22. Um, but clearly, their stats and there's a, there's there's a Paratici element to this as well. From what I understand, he's someone that Paratici has liked for a while, uh, and also the chief scout Leonardo Gabanini. And from what I understand, Paratici, before he um, resigned in April earlier this year, had made inquiries about the availability of Vicario and, and whether he would be available in the summer if Spurs were to move for him. So obviously, this is something that has been there, bubbling away in the background. Um, and they've obviously looked at it and, and looked at all the data and felt, you know what? When you look at the price, when you look at it, 40 million for David Raya, which is being asked, and then you're looking at Vicario, who was, I mean, roughly in pounds, you're looking at about 16.3 million. And I get, again, people are going to say that's the cheaper option because yes, it absolutely is on paper. There's no getting away from that. But if you talk to anyone from Italy, and I do think we have this, and ourselves included in this, maybe I talk for myself, not for you, but there is a little bit of a snobbery about players we see more of compared to the ones we don't see as much of in other leagues. Um, and I haven't seen too much of Vicario myself, so instantly the first thing I did was reach out to various uh, people I know that cover the Italian game. And honestly, every single person came back saying, oh, you're getting a potential star here. Every person came back and said, this guy has been one of the best goalkeepers in Italy for the last 18 months to two years. Um, someone told me yesterday, one of the people that cover the um, Serie A said, actually, you could probably say last season he was the second best in Serie A behind Anana at Inter. And you could say that nationally, he's, he was on the bench for Italy uh, in the Nations League. You could argue he's second only to Donnarumma as well in that. And that's, th I thought this was very, very high praise. Um, and obviously, we've seen various Italian former goalkeepers and current goalkeepers all raving about him as well. 
Um, and, and the thing with him as well is that there's a lot of sides to him. I don't think it's, it's even, I mean, he's a great shot stopper. Uh, from what I'm told to do with his feet has improved a lot. He's worked a lot on his, um, his use of the ball at his feet in the last two years or so. From what I'm told, Empley are a side that, where maybe that's not as required, but it's still something he's worked on and they feel that he's only, what is he, 26? I think he's 27 uh, a few months' time. He's got such a high ceiling on him, and that's the big thing. For Honestly, people are raving about him. Um, and he's a quite interesting character as well. He's, um, I think he, doesn't he, he's taken a Ukrainian family in to live with him, I'd read as well. Uh, during everything that's happened there, he's actually got a family living with him that have been kind of displaced, as it were. Um, yeah, he seems like a general all-round good guy as well. And look, I know, I don't want that so <laughs> aggregator putting out. Alistair Gold says, he's a good guy. And then everyone else goes, oh, yeah, we should definitely sign him because he's a good guy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it makes sense. It does make sense on, on a lot of levels. And like I say, it's clearly something that's been in the works for a little while. The key is that it's not another Galini, of course. Um, I wouldn't say, if I'm being honest, the word about Galini was as rave reviews as we're hearing about Vicario. Um, certainly, Paratici and Nuno were big Galini fans and uh, were very clear behind the scenes. I think that he was going to become the new number one and, and Hugo's time was marked, but that wasn't the case. Um, it's kind of dropped off the map a bit. Galini, is it Napoli on their bench pretty much, isn't he? That's yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like second or third choice at Napoli now. But obviously yeah. uh, they won the Scudetto, so not <laughs> yes. a bad move really for him. Are you saying he's another player that's left Spurs and gone and won a title? Yes, he is. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of quite pleased about this signing. The more and more I look into it, I mean... This isn't just a, oh, Spurs have plucked up this random cheap person. Um, Inter, the word very much from those in the know in Italy, that Inter, if they were to sell Anana this summer, were going to bring in Vicario. That was the plan. And I think that's why Spurs have kind of accelerated this move, just in case that happened. Juventus apparently have been looking at him. Napoli have been looking at him. Man United have been looking at him. Brighton have been looking at him. Um, all kind of with this interest. But now Spurs are the ones who really needed a keeper right now. They've moved quickly, getting a bargain price. And yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I know Hugo was, when he first arrived, was a reasonably big name. You know, he'd played um, in the Champions League and everything. But he didn't come in even as kind of first choice. I remember, was it Brad Friedel? Kind of kept him out for a little while as well. So... It doesn't always have to be that the the person you bring in is the most expensive, the most well-known players. They just have to be the right player. And it certainly feels like Vicario ticks a lot of the boxes required. So definitely not going to turn my nose up at this. Um, hey, it's the classic as well. It also leaves you more money for other transfers. So <laughs> I don't think it's. I think there's a, there's a lot of benefits to it. But I understand why people will see it as a they didn't just go for the the most expensive ready-made one. Yeah, I think the last thing Tottenham and Daniel Levy uh, needed to do this summer was get into a bit of a transfer battle with Brentford over this fee for David Raya. They certainly couldn't afford for it to drag on and then all of a sudden, you know, closer to the start of the season or to the end of the transfer window, then, you know, turn the back on the deal and look elsewhere and don't get, you know, a goalkeeper that they want. I think with Brentford demanding 
40 million, I think this could potentially backfire on them because if there's no takers for him this summer, there's the very real possibility he leaves for absolutely nothing uh, next summer. So it might just be a case of them being greedy. But I think the good thing for Spurs is they're probably saying, right, Brentford are demanding way, way too much for a player who's got 12 months left on his contracts. We'll move on to the next target. And yeah, they are saving uh, quite a bit of money that they can then put towards other deals. But as you were saying with Vicario, look at the clubs he's been linked with uh, over the past 12 months. Juve, Napoli, Inter, Manchester United, Bayern Munich. You know, these are top, top clubs who've obviously seen uh, something in, in the player. And I was having a look at what, quite a few people in Italy had said about him and Gianluigi Buffon you know one of the best goalkeepers of all times he's saying Vicario's doing things out of the ordinary uh, so he's certainly seen something in him and if there's anyone's a quote, co- I just say on him only because there's a quote going round about him being a generational talent he's better than me I think that's not a real quote I yeah think. everyone I'll- keeps using it and I'm pretty sure that that's been established that's a fake quote he said, like you say, he said really good stuff about him anyway. So it's not like you desperately needed that. But I think that one circulating isn't real. Yeah, I had a look for that quote yesterday. And I think I saw someone on Twitter actually, you know, tweet out and then put on the, yeah, I've, yeah, I've made this quote up or something. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Twitter. Another <laughs> wonderful, another wonderful moment. But obviously, Buffon is one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. He's gone to know who is a good keeper and who isn't. So, I mean, that's great to see that he rates him extremely highly. Uh, Some might actually be familiar with Vicario anyway, because uh, back in February, he made this extraordinary uh, triple save in the game away at Roma that was doing the rounds on social media. If you've not already seen it, do have a look. It's incredible. I would say the first save is questionable. He probably not helped himself in terms of palming it out into Are you a, tell him a dangerous area. Him? Yeah, <laughs> but the second save is absolutely fantastic when he gets uh, down low to his right to stop the ball going from in the bottom corner, and then somehow uh, with his heel manages to stop Tammy Abraham netting from point blank range. He was literally a yard out from goal, and Vicario just puts his leg up and manages uh, to somehow stop the ball from going in. And Jose Mourinho was asked about Vicario after the game and he says basically he played like he was the best goalkeeper in the world. And then also Empoli's manager, I think it's Paolo Zanetti, he was saying that Vicario's, you know, just saved them time and time again. And he knows he's going to go on to bigger and better things. And he's going to get his move this summer. And he clearly looks like uh, Spurs have stolen the march on a number of these clubs, especially with Inter looking at bringing in Vicario if Onana is to move on to the Premier League this summer. So really interesting one to see how this one goes. Clearly highly rated in the Italian game. He's been in the past few Italian squads. I think when you look back at Galini's time at Tottenham, he certainly didn't fill me with confidence when he was in net. But I think probably the one thing he maybe needed was just the regular run of games. And I think that's something Vicario will get with Lloris looking like he's going to be moving on for a a new challenge this summer. So, yeah, uh, I think it's good that the goalkeeper is going to be in early doors because it's just going to be over a week or so until pre-season commences at Hotspur away. And, Hopefully we can get a few more deals over the line in the coming days now. 
Yeah, I mean, I've got another quote for you. Is it Pagluca, the old uh, Inter and Italy keeper? He said about Vicario, it was only a couple of months ago, I think it was end of April, he said, Vicario is a very good goalkeeper. He will be the most sought-after goalkeeper of the transfer window. Well, he's not, because Spurs have kind of got in there, stolen a march on everyone and got him. Um, And he said, if Inter sell Anana for a good price and sign Vicario, that will be a great deal. He's the goalkeeper I like the most in Serie A, and he has the right maturity now for the step up. And actually, there's a the Italian football podcast. It's only a little seven-minute snippet, but if you want to listen to that, it gives you a very good sense of um, Vicario as well uh, and his strengths and weaknesses. And like you just said, that everyone's been raving about him, but sometimes we do, and I include myself in this sometimes because we, we don't sometimes uh, see enough of other leagues or know enough about players, and it's a bit like, what, who? When I first kind of heard that name being mentioned, it was a little bit like, right, okay, let's do the research. And But then as soon it doesn't take long, to be honest. As soon as you start reading about him, you can see that he's he's a big talent. Um, and he's, you know, 26. He's still to hit his prime as well. And that's the feeling with him. Because don't forget, with a, with a Postacoglu goalkeeper, uh, essentially they need to be able to not only be a great shot stopper, but they need to move the ball quickly with pretty much little hesitation because of this relentless style of football and just start building up the possession from the back. Um, don't really want it long balls. They don't want the ball kicked diagonally up the pitch. They just kind of want it quickly pushed up, regardless of the pressure that's on them. Um, and actually, I've seen people doing all these stats comparisons um, and stuff and looking at the numbers, and he actually comes up very favourably against Raya. In a fair few categories, he's he actually is beating him on it. But then I've also seen some of those stats and, and seen that Larice beats both of them in others. It's like stats are an interesting thing. I think you can use them in a certain ways, definitely when you're doing recruitment to really kind of focus in on the areas you need. But I think as soon as you start comparing with other goalkeepers, you can also run into some issues where sometimes stats can be used in certain ways or not manipulated, but you know what I mean. But it's important that. It is a part of the modern-day scouting system, I think, as well, because this is what we're seeing at the likes of Brighton and Brentford, that when it's when they're used correctly, the stats can really unearth future stars. And Spurs will be hoping here that they've got someone that can be the next Lloris for another 11 years, 10, 11 years at the club uh, as a long-term kind of fit, because this is the thing. They haven't had to do this in so long. Every goalkeeper they've ever bought has always been a, with a view to maybe an eventual successor or just a backup keeper. And now they've actually had to plan to bring in their new number one. Um, and, you know, there was a little part of me that wondered, would they actually also go for Raya? Would they go for a double deal and actually have these two fight it out? But I just think price-wise, it would kind of be a bit daft to spend, what, almost 50, 60 million on two goalkeepers when you've already got Forster, who I think will be a very able backup if required. Um, and look, I know for people that say, oh, but Forster's not going to be able to handle a high line, things like that. Joe Hart at Celtic was fine with it. So I, I'm sure there's ways that they can adjust the system ever so slightly um, when Forster's in goal. But yeah, I think this is a positive first step. Um, and like you said, I kind of feel now that what we eight days away from the start of preseason, I think normally they would start on July the 3rd on the Monday. But from what I understand, I think some of the players are going to be back on the Saturday on July the 1st, which is actually also Postacoglu's official first day. So you're looking at eight days there to kind of get um, eight, nine days there to get your um, 
to get more signings. I wouldn't be stunned if they try and line up another to get in before preseason starts because I think they have to. Um, I mean, we looked at last summer with Conte and they had three in place. I think Longley couldn't go, could he, on the tour because he arrived just too late. Spence obviously arrived mid-tour but couldn't be part of it. But they got a lot of that work done early. Um, you had Basuma, Richarlison, Perisic and Forster. I think you actually had four in for the tour. Obviously, Basuma and Forster ended up getting COVID, didn't they, on the tour? I remember that. Um, so I know Spurs is a different scenario. You've had a manager coming in a bit later. You've got a bit less time to properly go with the players that the manager wants and no director of football. But I think now they're at a stage where, like I say, you've got the data, you've got the recruitment plan ready, you've got the lists. Start pushing on now. Um, and I do wonder whether you see two or three ready, uh, if not more, to maybe for the first week or two of, of pre-season before they head off on the tour. I know Tottenham fans are, you know, desperate for a number of signings to be in place before pre-season, but I think we've got to be realistic really in terms of, you know, what's been happening at the club over the past months compared yeah. to one year ago because obviously Antonio Conte and Fabio Paratici 12 months ago were in position. They'd have been discussing the deals, what they wanted, early doors. Obviously Perisic came in, Fraser Forster, Eve Basuma was mid-June, Rich Allison was... First of July, but mm. this year there's been other priorities: a new manager, a new managing director of football. What Tottenham still need to find. So you can understand why you know maybe the deals have been a bit slow. Yeah, a handful of Premier League clubs have been making the moves in the transfer market, but I don't think anyone's been, you know, making signing after signing so far. So as much as we'd like a number of signings to be in place, they just got to be the right signings really and hopefully with the manager in place now uh, the fact that we're soon going to be in July hopefully things will start to ramp up quite a bit more over the coming weeks uh, I know you did a piece on uh, Gabonini yesterday he's obviously having an influence isn't he behind the scenes in terms of building this squad for Ange Postacoglu for next season Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, exactly, because there's kind of a bit of a vacuum, obviously, within Spurs at the moment. Not like the cleaning ladies going around with one, but an actual kind of a power vacuum in a way because of Paratici's departure um, or official resignation in April. Um, and obviously, it just leaves this little recruitment gap in the middle. And it feels like Leonardo Gabonini has, in a way tried to bridge that gap a little bit certainly in the in the temporary um in the meantime because i mean if you're not aware who leonardo gabonini is he's a 43 year old brought in by pratici uh he's the spurs chief scout um and essentially with the aim to find the best buyers at that point for antonio conte's very set system as well as also working to bring in people for the academy um and less than a year later obviously he's the only Italian left out of that little crop. 
Um, he's now got to find very different players for Ange Postacoglu. Um, and from what I understand, especially since Paratici has kind of uh, had to take a, a big old step back, Gabonini has been the one who's been in constant daily dialogue with Daniel Levy. Um, and I think we spoke about this in the last podcast. We had the, the transfer meeting Postacoglu had on his day at Hotspur Way a couple of Fridays back. And it's no coincidence that in that meeting was Gabonini, Levy, Ryan Mason, and a couple of others. So Gabonini is kind of front and centre at the moment in, in doing a lot of stuff. And it's a bit like there's some people that kind of have this view that Postacoglu has only, oh, he only knows about Australian and, and players from Asia, specifically Japan. And it's like, no, no. From everything we understand about Postacoglu, he's got a bit of an encyclopedic knowledge of, of the global game. He knows a lot of players. And I think for anyone that maybe thinks, oh, Gabonini's only going to know against about Italy, I know, yes, Vicario is someone that he's uh, been tracking as well. But from what I understand, he's got a real... People that know him say he's got a real eye for talent across the globe. Um, this is a guy that obviously, before he came to Spurs, was working up quite highly in the Pozzo scouting network. Um, the Pozzo family obviously own Udinese and Watford. Um, and he was high within that, in that dual role working for both clubs. He he actually headed up Watford's domestic UK scouting as well. So he knows the UK market very well. And apparently his knowledge of South America is really good as well. Um, and he's also quite a modern style of scout in that he uses data heavily, like we were speaking about, to back up what his eyes see. I think there's got to be an element with scouts always about what they see. That's why they're scouts. They've got that natural instinct to pick out a, a talent. But also, he's a guy that will go to the data. And from what I understand, I think Paratici would lean on him quite a lot for that side of the game. And also, another chap, uh, Lorenzo Gianni, um, who works for Spurs as a consultant international football scout. He certainly did. I've actually got to work out whether he still does. Um, he worked with Paratici for about 11 years at Juventus alongside him. They were very close. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting to see now what he does, uh, Gabonini, because he's an interesting character. Character is the word I keep hearing used about him. I think he's a guy that's very confident in himself. He's a very direct talker, workaholic like Pratichi is, was, um, and he doesn't mince his words. You can very quickly ask him for an opinion on a player. He'll go away, evaluate them, and he'll come back with a very strong and certain opinion uh, which others may not agree with. And yeah, from what I understand, I don't think his style has always gone down well with everyone within Spurs. But then there's some people that just say it's that's his confidence and it's his confidence in his team that work for him as well. Um, and I think certainly the way he came into the structure at Spurs created a, a, a little bit of a, I wouldn't say friction, but more of a, um, how do I put this? A cluttered structure because he came in not only with a view on the first team, he came in with a view on the youth academy uh, recruitment as well, which Paracici and the former technical performance director, Steve Hitchin, had actually already brought in an emerging talent team, recruitment team. That was headed up by Chris Perkins. Um, it had people like Chris Scudder, who came from West Ham. Um, Perkins had come from Derby, if I remember correctly. Was it Derby? Oh, no, Everton. I think he was at Everton, actually. I think he was at your lot. Um, yeah, and they came in only in 2021 and then it swiftly became, it dawned on everyone that, oh, actually, Gabonini's got lots of youth scouts in his network and actually 
this is a real cluttered system and I don't think it's any surprise that Chris Perkins, I think it was back in February, left to take a similar role at Arsenal. Chris Scudder left about a month ago. He's Wolves' new head of London recruitment. So it hasn't always worked and there's some people that feel like Gabonese's got a bit of an arrogance to him. But then arrogance often comes with confidence um, and it's going to be interesting to see now what happens with him because there are some people that feel that he's got enough about him to actually become a director of football but I just wonder whether now's maybe too soon Spurs probably are going to be looking for someone with a bit of experience in that role you would think um, so I, I, you never know but I would be surprised if he suddenly is promoting to a role you'd think it would be an outsider at this point um, but I also know there's a fair few clubs looking at him as well. So it may be that if they do decide to go in a different direction, don't think he's ready to be promoted, another club swoops in and gets him. I think Lazio were credited with a bit of an interest already in the last few weeks. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a name to watch out for. He's he's so much behind the scenes that when I wrote my piece, I couldn't even get a photo of him. Um, I know there's a few exist, but in terms of the ones that our very large company has access to, um, there was none of Leonardo Gavanini, which very much shows that he's a guy that just works way behind the scenes. He's not a front-of-house chap like Paratici was. Um, but yeah, this will be a summer where there's a fair bit of it that will be influenced, I think, by who Gavanini likes and looks at, who he and Postacoglu decide together makes sense for his team. Um, and ultimately, Postacoglu has to approve all of it, otherwise it doesn't work. Um, we certainly have seen that. Even the ones that Conte approved but didn't really want in recent years were a bit of a nightmare and, and just didn't work. So hopefully Spurs have learned the lesson of that. But I actually found there was a little interview Gavanini did. He came out of the uh, behind the scenes to do an interview for Radio Florence Viola because he's from Florence. Um, he was born and bred there. And uh, he was asked about Spurs. And he said, it's going well in England. It's a completely different reality. I've been working here for five years now. Before I was at Watford as Chief Scout, but now it's a different world at Tottenham. There's a very high value in everything you do. In short, it's tough, but it also gives you satisfaction. Um, and that's the key for Gabonini this summer, really. he's If he gets the right people for Postacoglu, Spurs and Postacoglu will flourish. If, as we've seen at Spurs in recent years, you kind of create a jigsaw that doesn't have the right pieces, then Postacoglu is going to struggle right away. Um, it's a very important few weeks coming up that they get the right people in that Postacoglu can absolutely hit the ground running with. As we've already spoken about the incoming arrival of Vicario from Empoli, I think it's only right we talk about the first signing of the summer, and that's Dane Kuliseski. Tottenham finally got a deal over the line for him. Uh, last Saturday, he had spent the past 18 months at learn, on loan at the club from Juventus, and now... He signed a permanent contract until 2028. Tottenham have managed to get a deal done for 25.6 million, which will be paid over six financial years. The previous agreement with Juventus was for Tottenham to buy Kuliseski for 35 million euros, what was just shy of 30 million pounds, and that was payable within five years. But obviously, Daniel Levy and the club have negotiated with Juventus and they've managed to knock another 4.3 million off the price tag and then add another year to it in terms of when they need to pay it off by. So, quite a good deal for Kuliseski, all in all. <laughs> Honestly, people know my thoughts on Kuliseski. I think we both share this same view, you and I. I think this is one of the bargain deals of all time. I honestly think 
this young man, what is he, 23 now, is going to be one of the best players in the Premier League. I mean, he was one of the best players in the Premier League the season before last. Last season was just a... It was just an adaptation season. It was a season that had injuries like he's never had before. He had a couple of problematic injuries. He's been a guy that normally is has kind of got through seasons without missing much football. And he admitted himself after he returned from the second injury, he had a little bit of a dip in form. And that's going to happen with young players. This guy has got so much talent. Um, even even when he does the his trademark move, which is cutting him from the right and either hitting a cross or a shot with his left foot, even when he does that, it's so difficult to deal with because of the power and the sudden switch up in his acceleration that he does as well. He's he's going to be something special. Um, and even when like last season, you, you saw that teams knew more about him and they were trying to double up on him and stop that cutting inside. All that's going to do, because he's a clever guy, is going to force him to adapt and go down the line more. And also, subsequently, it creates space for the other two attackers in a front three as well. So it's it's Postacoglu is going to love him. Postacoglu signed off this, this transfer. Um, he's going to flourish under Postacoglu, whether that is on the right of a front three, whether that's on the right or centre of a three behind a striker in a 4-2-3-1, whether it's even as a maybe one of those number eights in a 4-3-3 in the middle. Um, he could easily do that role as well, I think. This is a guy who... You know, we talk about Vicario being a potential long-term star for Spurs. I think Kulusevski could be exactly the same. I think we could, in two years, three years' time, we could be talking about Kulusevski as one of the best in the game in Europe. I really think he's got that ability. And also, he's got that work rate. Having spoken to him about this need he has to, he loves pain. He loves to suffer and, and all that. He is a guy that will constantly drive. He will love the Postacoglu training sessions, the relentlessness of it. He will absolutely adore it. Um, the only thing I was quite surprised at, uh, surprised to a degree, was I saw the quotes that came out when he was on international duty saying he was a bit disappointed with the way it was handled and all of that. I mean, if I'm going to play, kind of look at both sides, yes, I think from his side, I can understand if you're not entirely sure what your future holds, then you might be a little bit worried because obviously you've got to sort out your long-term plans, your house, little things that maybe we don't take into account of. But the strange thing was, was that the sense we got from the club was always that they were going to sign him. Regardless of any noise that was coming from Italy about he was going to return and all this, we were always, it was made very clear from everyone pretty much you'd speak to within the club that, no, no, Decky's sticking around. He's going to be a Tottenham player. Um, and, you know, we've said this before, you could see it. They were pr- using him to promote um, the match in Thailand next month after his loan ended. They've, he was one of the first five quick tabs to buy the shirt for next season. You know, it's there was never really a thinking that he wasn't going to be there, which is a shame that this wasn't communicated clearly enough to the player for him to say that. Because for him to say, you know, he was disappointed with the way it was handled, his loan actually had ended. You know, I, there wasn't this kind of long delay almost that it seemed to be painted out as. His loan still hasn't ended technically. It's 30th of June, I think it is. So I actually felt... You know, I know Spurs and especially Daniel Levy get criticised when they want to haggle over a price or something, but this was one of these occasions it worked. I know it hasn't always worked in the past, but on this occasion, they've got him before the end of his loan on a better deal over a longer period of time. They've knocked about four and a half million off that can go towards other transfers, and they've got a wonderful player for that price. Um, so, yeah, 
if it, if it annoyed him slightly, unfortunately, it's probably was still worth it. <laughs> not not to say that Deki's feelings, uh, you know, are the lowest priority for anyone, but I think he's got what he wanted. He wanted to stay. Postacoglu wanted him to stay. Spurs wanted him to stay. And ultimately, everyone's got what they wanted. Um, and hopefully the future is very, very bright for him because I do think he's only going to get better. And it was a great learning experience for him last season as well. I thought we'd be talking about this permanent transfer 12 months ago because obviously Tottenham did have yeah. that option in yeah, the maybe deal. Maybe that's and, what he's annoyed about. Yeah, and the, would have saved a bit of money. Uh, then as well was probably about 5 million euros difference between the two, but obviously they always had the option in the contract for this summer uh, to sign him and they've had 18 months to make a decision over him. So it doesn't matter exactly when, as long as they make the right decision. And I think they have. I should stress technically they'd have paid about eight million yeah. for the eighteen months of loan yeah. as well. Yeah, so I just think it's an absolute no-brainer. I know he didn't have the best of seasons last year, but you could sell him for a hell of a lot more than twenty-five point million already. Uh, so yeah, really good summer, uh, really good signing. I think. He'll be on intent on putting things right after last season. I think he can really flourish under Postacoglu. I'd like to see him play as a number eight in the midfield because he looked so much better when he went into the central areas in the last two yeah. games of the season. He does have that experience before he's played in the role when coming through Atalanta's system. Uh, so it's his favourite role. Yeah, so it's something uh, he clearly knows about playing in that role and he prefers playing there. So... Hopefully, uh, with Tottenham, hopefully they'll be uh, on song on the Postacoglu and, you know, Kuliseski will be playing the major role next season. Right, as we're now halfway through the pod, Ali, do you want to let everyone know about the benefits of using NordVPN? Yeah, of course. If you're not aware by now, the Golden Guest Talk Tottenham podcast is sponsored by NordVPN and you can use the service in a host of different ways to enhance your internet experience. NordVPN is the fastest VPN in the world, and that means there's no buffering, no lagging, and you can stream your favorite shows from anywhere in the world without your bandwidth throttling. Something that I've done many, many times over the years. Um, I Way before Nord came on as a sponsor of our show, I was using them for going on holiday, um, when I was working abroad as well, just to be able to ac- not only access things that I should be able to access anyway because I pay for those subscription services back at home, but also for the safety and security that Nord brings you when you want to use it, when you're connecting to a public Wi-Fi and things like that. Um, and not only that, but the outlay on a NordVPN subscription is actually ends up being cheaper for you in the long run because you can purchase streaming services or bookings from other countries at a much cheaper rate. So, for example, you could book flights from another country um, and that can be cheaper too. So it means you're paying out for Nord, but you're actually saving money overall. There's a whole host of other benefits from signing up to NordVPN, so why not give it a go? You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. As we're now just over a week away from pre-season, Ange Postacoglu is going to have the chance to look through a number of the players. He's going to have quite a lot of players back at Hotspur Way as was 11 away on loan last season. Uh, so while some of those weren't in Antonio Conte's plans, they could potentially come into Postacoglu's thinking. I think he will take a good look at them and make a decision over them. 
And that's what we're going to do now. 11 lone players, we're going to give our verdicts on all 11 and whether they can play a part for Tottenham next season. So, Ali, we'll start with you. Destiny Doggy. Pretty simple, really, decision this. <laughs> No, no, we don't want him. Yeah, no, he, he's, uh, yeah, no, oh, I've already, I'm already doing the Postacoglu, yeah, no. Um, he, hopefully, again, from people in Italy, they think he's going to make a very quick impact on the Premier League. Um, very talented young player, um, can play, I think he'll be absolutely fine as a left-back. I know he's got to improve his defending a bit because he's a very young player, that's what comes with it. He's only 20 years old. But I think Postacoglu will will love him. Um, and yeah, we'll finally get to see him kind of link up with everyone. He will arrive a little bit later, I think, because obviously under-21 championships going on at the moment, the European ones. And let's, I think group stages go on to the end of June. And if, if he were to get to the final, uh, same with Oliver Skip in England, then I think that's July the 8th. So he would return very close to the tour if he'd still have to cut his probably his rest time short for that. Um, but we will see him. And I think, um, yeah, I'm really interested to see how he fits into Premier League football. But it seems to be a strong lad. So physically, I don't think it should be an issue for him. Yeah, Tottenham fans have been desperate to see him now for going on 12 months because he's so highly rated in Italy. Had a really good season. Uh, again, we've moved in easy. Uh, so it's just going to be interesting adapting from that left wing back role to playing as a left back. But he has played as a left back throughout his career anyway so far. So the adaptation in terms of, you know, the pace and intensity of the Premier League is going to be interesting. For me, he might not be a starter straight away, uh, but I'm sure we'll see plenty of him next season. And, you know, I think he's got all the tools in his locker to uh, flourish on the Postacoglu. So, I think a very easy decision. Uh, the next player we're going to discuss is Tangi on Dembele. I don't need to ask you about this, Ali, because <laughs> I'm sure you'll say five-year contract and starting role in the team. Is that the case? No. no. <laughs> Do you know, of course, I'd love to see him still work out as Spurs. Of course, I was. Everyone, everyone knows... I don't. I think there's few players as talented in the game as Tongi Ondimele. Honestly, the players that have played for Spurs, all I hear from them and those around them is that they've never played alongside a player like Tongi. And but that's only one side of football. We know that there's so much more to being a top, top, elite level uh, midfielder. Um, look again, another one who's gone away and has won the Serie A title. He played a lot of games for Napoli, albeit the bulk of them from the bench. Um, but he de- he definitely has, has gone away and he's, he's won something very important. So, look, there's always been a kind of a, a desire within Spurs to make it happen with uh, Ondombele and, and getting him uh, to justify, I guess, the, the huge salary, that the, uh, sorry, salary, the huge uh, transfer fee that he arrived with. If anyone is going to be able to do it, you could argue it could be Postacoglu because he's probably the... I mean, Poch really wanted on Dembele and you could argue that this is now probably the closest manager he'll have had to Poch. Um, With Mourinho and Conte, very different kind of managers with different needs on a football pitch. So this is a guy that is going to want a certain kind of thing from Tongi, but ultimately, it's down to Tongi. The only... 
with the amount of talent he's got, the only person that can kind of uh, can halt or progress his career is Tongi because um, the Postacoglu system is going to need a lot of energy and running. It's going to need a lot. It's it's in his own words, Postacoglu, we never stop. And Tongi's got to be able to be at handle that. Um, and also, this is it. I think maybe the fitness side of Tongi is a bit overplayed. I do feel like that. There's certainly in the year, uh, when was it? Oh, recent year. I think it was the year before last when he ended up kind of heading out on loan. When did he go to Leon? Was it mid-season? Was it January, wasn't it? Yeah. After uh, yeah. Yeah. He spent yeah. the past 18 months out on land. So it'd have been yeah. January 2022 when he was at Leon. Yeah. So in that first half of the season under Nuno and eventually or briefly Conte, I was told that he was in the best shape of his life. He'd actually he got himself in a really good place fitness-wise. So I, I don't think it's the fitness angle so much. With me, it's more Tongi's desire to track back. That's the one that gets him. I even we saw him having a massive argument after a game uh, with a Napoli coach, um, Spalletti, isn't it? At Napoli, um, we had a massive go at him, and apparently it was because he didn't track back for one uh, of the opposition's attack towards the end of the game. And this is his thing: he has to have, he has to buy in entirely, he has to feel that he has to sacrifice himself for the team as well. And the moment that happens, hopefully it will happen. He will be such an incredible player. But that's my heart. My head says, as I know you've said many times, we're, what, four years in now. And if it hasn't happened, it probably isn't going to with Spurs. But I'm going to cling on to the hope that Postacoglu is the first attacking manager he's had since he arrived. uh, Sorry, since Poch left. So maybe that makes a difference. For me, you sell him. This summer, then, <laughs> I love that. I did that long thing about I love Tongi, and you just start off straight off for me. You sell him, that's fair enough. Yeah, you do. Uh, but I think that's easier said than done because I don't think he's pulled up any trees in his time at Leon and the same at Napoli. The vast majority of his football at Napoli was off the bench. Yeah, he played in quite in a handful of games from the start, scored a couple, but he didn't even playing the final five games for Napoli it was an unused sub. Yeah, I think wasn't it? He made yeah. 40 appearances and yeah, then yeah. suddenly he was just out of the team. Yeah, I think he's got all the qualities to be uh, a hit in an Ange Postacoglu team, especially going forward. But for me, what will let him down is the other side of his game. It's the work rate and I don't think Postacoglu will stand for it one bit. Uh, if he isn't going to be tracking back and doing, you know, the hard yards, the dirty side of the game. And as you were saying, he's coming into a fifth season now at Tottenham. That seems mad. Fact, four years <laughs> we've had the baby. And he's not... What he's shown in his four years, I can't understand why you'd give him a fifth season, personally. He's not done anything in the four years to suggest that everything will come good for him in the fifth year. That's too long for me so still got two years left in his contract that's mad isn't it for me I I just think you need to sell him it's time for you know a reset at Tottenham some tough decisions I think Tangi on the belly needs to go personally right next one Giovanni Lo Celso who was signed in the same summer as Tangi on the belly 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting one with the Celso because, and I always felt this under Conte that he actually fits the system. <laughs> he is someone that fits the system, but it's just kind of even more so with Lo Celso. Kind of almost is this feeling of oh, well, he'll leave, and it's it's a really strange one. It, it, whereas with Tongi, there's a sense of oh, maybe have one last go and, and make it work. But with Lo Celso, it's always felt like he's probably leaving. Um, I saw those Barcelona links now as well. I saw that yesterday. Because um, that's the thing. I do feel like Lo Celso, because of his versatility and his ability to play in a midfield three or further up the pitch, he can play in a lot of different managers' systems. Um, I think, similar to what you were saying about Tongi, I, th- I think probably it's now been enough time and he's been on so many loans now that it's probably time to let him head off. Um yeah, it's interesting because obviously when you're saying about Tongi, just sell him. Unfortunately, that has been Spurs' biggest problem is is actually finding those people that want to buy these players, which again is a damning indictment of the recruitment in the first place um, and the drop-off in the players, which makes it difficult to sell them. With Tongi, from what I understand, certainly speaking to people a couple of days ago on this, was that there was in some interest from Napoli uh, about making it permanent, but for nowhere near the kind of figure that Spurs would probably look for um and also in turkey as well there was interest in him with la celso you're looking at probably it sounds weird to say but better interest as in interest that probably there's a little bit more money that can be put behind um you know we know villa and unai emery uh been looking at him villarreal i think would like to keep him now we're hearing about barcelona although I saw the Barcelona reports were very much caveated with they've got no money, it would have to be a loan. <laughs> Which is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose I'll love that. Um, so we'll see what happens with him. But unless there's a surprising turn of events, you think he's one where they can bring in some money and put it towards new signings? In theory, they shouldn't really have a problem selling the Celso, you'd think, because yeah. Argentina International... Uh, you know, he's done really well in Spain. I think that's what's probably most frustrating about it. He's a really good player in Spain. It suits him. And I don't think the Premier yeah. League probably suits him, uh, really. Uh, so, yeah, there's been talk of Aston Villa, Barcelona. I, I think he's another one who you sell. I mean, looking from the player's perspective, will he want to stick about at Tottenham? He's not played for him for the past 18 months. Maybe he thinks, you know, time for a fresh challenge. I think it's just one of these where it's best for both parties to go their separate ways uh, this summer. Next one, another player who has spent the past year in Spain, and that is Sergio Reguillon. Yeah, he's an interesting one because I... I see a lot of people calling for him and saying, "Well, why not?" Like you know, he fits. He, he's a, he's a left back. He is. He proved that he couldn't really be a wing back. He actually is a more natural fit for a left back. Again, though, I think with Regulon, you probably. I know he had a, he had a nightmare season, and there was a lot of extenuating factors to it. You know, he had he arrived with an injury that just would not clear up in the first place, um, and then he had a horrible kind of stomach issue that had him in had to go to hospital about it was so bad that was kind of turn of the year so it was a weird loan for him he never really got to make an impression i think he only started his first la liga game towards the end of the season in the final kind of few weeks um so but i do think with him despite all of that he's probably retained a fair whack of his value 
Um, I think, again, that he's one if you're looking to build. And let's say you look at your left backs and you've got a doggy coming in. You've got Ben Davies as the kind of reliable, experienced option there. You've also got Ryan Sessignon, who is set to be fit for preseason and needing to prove himself. You don't really need another left back in that scenario. You've also got technically even Perisic, who I think I presume will, will leave as well this summer. Um, yeah, I think for Regulon at this point, you probably take what you can get for him. Um, and again, he's another one who may just end up going back to Spain. Yeah, uh, this one might be a bit tricky for Tottenham in terms of you know selling him if that's what they're going to do this summer just because of how last season went for him. It was a nightmare loan spell, let's be honest. Yeah. It was only really the final few weeks where he got a decent amount of minutes under his belt. Uh, but if you're looking at Destiny Doggy as being the future, a left-back, you've got Ben Davis, the Sessignon as well, who I personally would part with this summer. I'd probably... I probably would look at selling Reggion as well, but I think he's one of these Postacoglu might want to have a a look at first there uh, because you know he's a left back. He struggled as a left wing back. Uh, what we saw from him when he first joined the club, when he was operating as a left back, that he would get forward and you know putting some really good crosses that likes of Gareth Bale and Harry Kane finished off. So I think it's one we'll have to wait and see, but I'd probably you know, side with a Mufa Region uh, this summer. Next player then, Ali, Harry Winks. Yeah, he's had another interesting season. He's, his whole first half of the season was wiped out by an ankle injury. He's had ankle problems over the years, but this one really kind of caused him to struggle in the first half of the season. And he, you know, in Sampdoria, there was a big like, oh, we've made a mistake. He's never going to play and everything. And, he ended up having surgery about halfway through the season. He came back and was almost played every single minute for Sampdoria in the second half of the season. It was a big reason why they still had a chance somehow of staying up towards the end. They ultimately didn't, but his displays really gave them a little bit of hope in the in the middle, and he played very well. And there's a lot of kind of, I think he can depart that club with his head held high. And it didn't look that way earlier in the loan. It looked like he was going to be a bit of a disaster for them. But he actually, I think he, he formed quite a bond with the fans as well in the second half of that season as a, a kind of a guy that was giving everything. And he fit very nicely into that style of football as well. Um, it, again, th- there's so many of these loan players and Winks, I think, is another one where you could say, do you know what? he could operate quite well in the Postacoglu system. He could. He could be the guy that sits just in front of the back four, the the pivot midfielder, number six, and just collects the ball, sprays it out quickly to the other players because he is good on the ball. Um, but I just, again, like you said about a couple of the others, you just kind of I just feel like maybe it's a natural time for his time at Spurs to end. And also, he's only got a year left on his contract. And I think you're at this stage now, if you're not going to renew the contract, it's time to sell. And I think that will be the case with Winks. And I think that second half of the season has probably helped Spurs as well. Because I think there'll be a few clubs in Italy and probably Spain as well, um, because he's got a bit of Spanish heritage, hasn't he? So I think there'll be a few that will look at that. And I'd also think there'll be a few in the Premier League will also look at him um, and think, do you know what? I think he could do very well in our midfield. It's uh, kind of been written off a bit by Spurs fans because obviously recent seasons didn't go too well for him. But I do think 
you know, this is an England international. There's a guy in there that's going to do a very good job for a team. Um, and hopefully Spurs will get a little bit of money for him um, to, to, to put elsewhere. I agree with you in terms of I think he's, he could be a player who fits Postacoglu's system because uh, he's good on the ball. But my issue is then surely he's Basuma would be the one starting in the holding role in front of the back four. Uh, so if Winks was to stay, then he's just going to you know, be low down the pecking order again. And I think what he needs is regular first-team football because other than the second half of last season, He's not had that in the seasons before under Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, Antonio Conte as well. So I, th- I think he just needs to move to get his career back on track. I don't think he will be short of options. Like is anything, there'll be interest from Italy, Spain, a number of clubs in England. I think there's a good player there, obviously. Gareth Southgate obviously sees something in him because he's played for England uh, quite a few times. Uh, yeah, I think it's just time to move on, especially with the contract status as well. One year left, Tottenham needs to move him on and hopefully he does get the move uh, that can help resurrect his career because it's not gone the right way over the past two or three years. Next one, Brian Gill. I'd say he's got a chance. I Again, I think he fits what Postacoglu wants. We're going to say that, I think, about every single loan player. But with Brian Hill, he's got that um, creativity. He's got the... He's very comfortable on the ball. He's also incredibly fit. Um, last season, he was one of the fittest on the South Korea tour. Uh, you could see him when they were doing those pitch-long runs, pretty much always at the front, even right near the end when they are all... Various ones of them were throwing up at the side of the pitch or, or collapsing. So he's got that. The question mark always about him is going to be the physical stature. Um, but obviously, we've seen other players in the Premier League and certainly Bernardo Silva, who Conte compared him to, is someone that shows that you don't need that as long as you, I guess your core is strong and you're not going to get knocked off the ball. Um, and I think he's another one that you would think that the club would hope Postacoglu can, can give an opportunity to uh, and try and and maybe... I guess you'll know, Postacoglu will know within the first few weeks of pre-season what he can get out of Brian Hill. Um, and then you'll see a definitive decision made um, at the least, you know, maybe if he was going to be loaned, you'd maybe loan him out in January and give him that first six months to see how things shake up. Because people mustn't forget that we're uh, going to see, well, we've got Lucas going and Dan Juma, obviously the option hasn't been taken up. So immediately you've lost two of that front six that were there so as I think we said last time Spurs looking to bring in a young winger is the plan um, for one of those spots but that also leaves a spot really already there and that could be Brian Hills if he really impresses in pre-season obviously he's so he loves being at Sevilla you can tell it is a part of him and he very I think if we're brutally honest if Sevilla were to come up with decent money and he was given the chance to go home, I think he probably would. But that's not to say that he can't still make a kind of a name for himself in the Premier League um, if they don't. So, yeah, this one I'd, I'd say very much is as they all are, but this one especially down to Postacoglu. What he makes of the, him in these opening couple of weeks. Personally, 
I think he's a very talented young man, um, and he's still very much developing. You could see that at Sevilla. There were some games where he was like unplayable and he was terrific, and there were other games where he really faded out of it. The uh, Europa League final, I thought, was a, a good example of that. He obviously came off at halftime, didn't really make an impact, and they had to have someone like Lamella came on and, and made more of a physical impact on the game. Um, and yeah, it's it's. I've seen he's already, as they all do the footballers, he's already doing all of his workout stuff. He's preparing himself for the new season. And I think it's a case we just has to keep strengthening his core. And, and if he can, and, and he can impress Postacoglu, then who knows what this season held uh, holds. He had a couple of chances under Conte and did quite well, but was never really given the opportunity to build on it. I'd keep him this summer. Yeah. Uh, I think there's clearly a player there. I, I think at the turn of the year, he did really well in that game away at Crystal Palace when they won 4-0. Uh, there's been a couple of times, you know, when he has been given the chance and impressed, but it's always going to come down to easy strong enough to play in the Premier League and be able to cope with the demands of, you know, Premier League football on a weekly basis. And the only way we'll find out is if he's given a run in the team. You can't expect him to be, you know, up up to the demands of Premier League football if you're just coming off the bench every uh, now and again. I think he's someone who can be a a good player in Postacoglu's system. Obviously, he's going to want wingers who get on the ball you know, and drive into the area and make things happen. And that's something Brian Gill can do. Uh, for me, if they're thinking of, you know, sending him out on loan at the start of the season again, then I'd just sell him. Because yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the point? Better. I mean, it's like yeah. three seasons in a row. If, if you're sending him out on loan, then it's just, you think, well, we don't think he's good enough to be a player for Tottenham here and now. And, but if you're sending him out on loan, send him to a Premier League club. It's no good sending him to Spain year after year because he needs to get used to the Premier League. So, interesting. Premier League club needs to want him. That's the issue as well, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, we've said this before. The, the amount of times we say, oh, get him in the Premier League or get this player in the Premier League or the Championship. But that interest has got to be there. and It, not, it isn't always there. But for the player, you'd probably... If you take, if you're in his shoes, if there's an opportunity to go to Spain to his homeland, he's probably going to pick that nine times out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. Right, next player, Jed Spence. <sighs> That's a really tough one for Jed Spence. From, from what I understand, Jed Spence really wants to nail it this summer. He wants to impress Postecoglou. He wants to be part of this Tottenham team. Uh, obviously, did the loan at Ren as a necessity. Uh, to get some minutes under his belt, continue his development. It kind of worked until their uh, two right backs came back from injury. And then, you know, Bruno Genesio didn't really seem to trust lone players too much, if only if he had to use them. Um, he preferred to use um, permanent players. So he kind of dropped out towards the end of that loan. Um, and then he got a knee injury as well, which has kept him out of this under-21s championship. I think... It's going to be tough for him again. You've got Emerson and you've got Porro, who will be obviously become a permanent £40 million signing shortly. Um, Postacoglu likes Porro, from what I'm told. Um, I think it helps that they're both from the same uh, agency. They're both represented by base. So I don't know where that leaves Spence. Of course, you could maybe Porro could be worked into a more advanced position, which would open up a slot for Spence. Um, I wonder whether this is another 
wait until January one, where they're given the first few months of the the season. Postacoglu really has a proper look at him, uses him some games, and then maybe in January to decide whether he has a loan or not. Um, I just think for him, when we talk about the Ondembeles and Lacelsos and and Regulons, Spence is still at the start of his journey. Um, and there's he's one that he could still go out on loan and it wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world. It would be a shame for him. It's not what he envisaged when he spurned interest from all these other clubs that were looking at him uh, to come to Spurs. But yeah, let's see what, what happens with him this summer. You never know. You know, in pre-season, Emerson could pick up a, a knock that keeps him out for a little while or Porro could and then suddenly Spence suddenly becomes indis- indispensable. <laughs> I just thought of that. Um, and yeah, yeah, we'll see what this other goes. Guesty's face is absolutely blank as you can you can imagine. He, he does not care for my puns or wordplay whatsoever. Um, and yeah, yeah, we'll see with Spence. I like him. I still think he's got a lot of talent, uh, but he's still got to develop and prove himself, I guess. I'd like to hope Postacoglu takes a good look at Spence this summer and yeah. that he can be, become part of uh, the Tottenham team. But my worry for him is Emerson's going to be ahead of him in the pecking order and the same for Pedro Porro as well. And if first-team opportunities are going to be limited, then I think it's got to be a Premier League loan. Spence can't afford for a repeat of what happened last season because he's at an age where he needs to be played and needs to develop as a player. Uh, but I think there's someone all Tottenham fans are just desperate to see. Uh, I mean, we found that out and the rare opportunities when he did come onto the pitch and there was, you know, obviously huge cheers for him. I really hope it works out for him at Tottenham this season, but I think probably a loan move might be best if he's just not going to be uh, in Postacoglu's plans and the minutes are going to be limited. Joe Roden then? Just, just on Spence, he is going to be fit for the start of pre-season, yeah. I'm told. So yeah. at least he's got that. He's going to hit the ground running, hopefully. Yeah. Next player then, Joe Roden. Yeah, it's a tough one because obviously we know Spurs are looking to try to bring in two centre-backs this summer. Obviously, again, as it has been the last two summers, need to get defenders out the door. Um, and you just kind of feel like Joe Roden will be one of those, more so for his own sake more than anything. Um, it may well be that Postacoglu takes a look at him. He'll be one of the later arrivals because he's been on international duty. He may take a look at him and think, do you know what? Actually, he's quite brave in the way he plays. He he could fit my system quite well. He could do what he did with Carter Vickers at Celtic and he could do s- similar. Um, but I just wonder if they're looking at two other ones and we still got, I think they still have to decide what they're doing with Clement Longley. I know he's left the club, but there's still, it's not out of the question that they might go back for him because of the size of the bid is, is presumed to be so low. It almost seems daft not to do it. I know I hate people hearing this, people hate hearing this, but from a financial point of view, as a business thing, to be able to even buy him for four or five million and then probably sell him for 10 if you needed to, but also as a decent squad option, I don't think it's a bad idea. So with Roden, I just wonder whether he now needs to head off. And I know there's Premier League interest in him and clubs in France as well interested in him. Um, I think Spurs probably can get a decent value for him. Uh, just let him go and play football. Because even if he did stay, certainly to begin with, you'd imagine he's not going to be first choice. And I think he needs that at this stage of his career. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see him given a chance at Tottenham. 
because I don't think he's had that during his time. I think when Jose Mourinho were manager, he had, you know, four games uh, towards the end of Mourinho's reign, did well, and then just found himself out of the team when Ryan Mason uh, was appointed interim head coach. But what you could say is that that summer, Nuno and Spirito Santa could have put him into the team, but obviously he's clearly believed the likes of Eric Dyer and Davinson Sanchez were ahead of him in the pecking order. And the same with Antonio Conte as well. So I'd like to think he'd get a chance on the Postacoglu to show what he can do. But if those opportunities aren't going to be there for his sake, he needs to move on because it's three years where he's had limited football and he just needs to be playing football week in, week out because he's certainly good enough. And there'll be a number of clubs after him if he is to be given the green light to move on. They'll certainly be interested there because he's a good player. Right, we'll group the last three together as the way EFL learns. Uh, Ali, Troy Parrott, Dane Scarlett and Harvey White. Right, so start with Harvey White. I think Harvey White, it's probably time for him to go off on his career now and try and get regular football somewhere. Um, I think he's a talented player, but I think he's getting towards that age now. What is he, 21, 22, I think he is. He he needs to, he's probably unlikely at this point to break into the Spurs midfield. You know, unless there's a, an amazing thing happens in pre-season, Postacoglu just picks him as the one. But I would say when you've got Pape Matassar, probably he's going to be the young prospect, I think, that you're going to see. And maybe even Alfie Devine. So I think Harvey White, probably it's time for him to to go off there. And I think there'll be a lot of interest in him. He's a very good young player. Um, I think it'll be probably time for him to build his career. I think with Dane and Troy, it's probably... You would think that both might get the chance to go on the tour. Um, to Australia and Asia and get to... The key for both of them is to show that they can score goals. I know that sounds very simple for a striker, but for both of them, they got a lot of football last season. Troy even more so, although he had an injury halfway. Uh, Dane, a lot of football in the first half of the season. Danny Cowley and then John Massino at Portsmouth didn't give him much for the second half. But the key thing with both of them was the lack of goals. Troy got four across the season. I think Dane uh, ended up... Sorry, Troy, if people weren't aware, was at Preston in the Championship. Dane, who was at Portsmouth in League One, ended up with six goals. And for players who really are thinking of trying to burst in the scene as strikers, of course, they need to score more goals. And they'll know that as well. Um, so they've got to put the ball in that net. They've got to get on the nose friendlies if they can and, and score against uh, the likes of West Ham, Leicester and Roma. They need to put the ball in the net and show Postacoglu. I think for, for Dane, there's more time. I think with Dane, you could probably say he could head off on another season loan and that's fine. He can continue to develop. There's still a lot of high hopes for him. With Troy, I think he's coming to that point now where he kind of has to make a decision as much as the club does um, of whether... He continues on the Spurs journey or whether he um, heads off. Because obviously he could rightly point to Harry Kane and say, well, Harry Kane had a load of loan um, moves and then suddenly it clicked for him. He got his chance and he scored a lot of goals. Um, Because with Harry Kane, he he didn't score a lot of goals on his loans. If anything, he was more suited to Premier League football and Spurs. Um, Or it could have just coincided with a real development spurt for him. 
And maybe that will happen for Troy. I like both of them. I do think both of them could be very good strikers. Um, but they just need to continue to develop. And yeah, Postacoglu, you'd think, well, look at both of them. And maybe one of them sticks around for the first six months of the season, then gets a January loan. And the other heads off. Um, and we'll see in what kind of sense that is. For me, uh, <clears throat> Harvey White sell him this summer, last year of his contract. He's got a number of players ahead of him in the pecking order at Tottenham. He's just never going to get a look in. So you sell him Dane Scarlett and probably say another loan spell in League One. Uh, difficult ones. You never know how things are going to happen. You maybe think you're picking the right club and then the minutes sort of dry up. He started well at Portsmouth. Didn't go so well from the second half of the season. So you yeah. just he had the it. right manager in the yeah. first half. So the move was a good one, but they yeah. just couldn't foresee what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You, in an ideal world, he gets a loan spell where he can play week in, week out, and he scores the goals. As you've seen, I think Dane's got time on his side. Try Parrot for me doesn't because he's in the final two years of his contract. I think, I think this season it's crucial for Troy. I think it's now or never for him. Uh, last. Coming into last two years At of his Spurs, we yeah, should stress. <laughs> yeah, Spurs. I think coming into his last two years of his Tottenham contract, I think this is his last loan spell. And if he wants uh, a long term future at Tottenham, then I think he needs to be scoring quite a few goals uh, this summer. And you know, he's going to be coming to the age now where he needs to, you know, maybe head off and play regularly if it's not going to happen for him at Tottenham. So I think the 23-24 season is a really, really big one for Troy Parrott in his career. Right. I think that's it for today's podcast. So we'll uh, leave that there. We'll be back next week. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to discuss in the world of Tottenham Hotspur. But as ever... Hopefully some more James Madison news. That'd be interesting. Yes. I, I want to see that one start advancing. Yes, that would be nice. So as ever, just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash gold guest to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus four additional ones for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee.